This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Joining us for another edition of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors once again, as we always do. Mickey Finns, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, Schofield's Ace Hardware, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. Um, it's a little bit dangerous to infuse um, your system with 200 grams of, of caffeine. Um, that there's, a, um, th- there's an accelerant in here. Uh, I'll read it verbatim on the Celsius can. You ready? accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. I don't know about burning body fat, but it damn sure accelerates metabolism because I think we've broken our own record multiple times um, on the most words spoken, well, the most words misspoken uh, in the course of a 20, 30, 40-minute podcast. I know we're the all-time record holder in a four-hour radio show for the most, um, the most times the Queen's English has been abused over the public airwaves. <laughs> It's, it's a little bit liberating to know that there are some, some things in your life that just won't come to fruition. And, and one thing that I know, there are a lot of things about my life I don't know. I've lived nearly 60 years. I hope to live another 60 years. Probably won't, but I hope to. Um, there are some things I know and some things I don't know. There are some things that bring about concern in my life, and there are things that I know full well will never happen. One of the things that I've fairly well established in my life is the likelihood that a school be named after me is in precipitous decline. I talk a lot about American precipitous decline uh, because of the debt dynamic, the debt dilemma, the debt demise uh, that I talk a lot about over the airwaves. Um, And once again, that there's a sense of liberation. If you're in the running for something, that there's an anxiety that goes along with it. Once you no longer are in the running, there's to hell with it uh, that goes along with it. And, um, and, and I know because of my uh, fairly libertarian stance and conservative stance on the funding of education, the funding of government in general, um, I'll, I'll never live long enough to watch a school be named um, in my honor. No, nor do I believe a school should ever be named, for that matter, in anybody's honor. Um, not big on naming buildings or bridges or roads um, after people. Um, other than the, um, I mean, Memorial Day recently, that would be a good example of uh, those who do deserve to be respected with a, um, a, a you know government-owned property named after someone who died um, serving the country. But, uh, you know, the, the, um, the public servants working tirelessly on our behalves, um, let them win elections. Let's not name things um, after them. Uh, I, but but I, I want to I stay here for a second because I think this is a very interesting um, commentary. There are macros and then there are micros. There are words that have meanings, and there are words that we choose to define to suit the narrative or debate that we're having or not having in this case. So, so my macro argument for today's podcast is this, and I, I, you know, I get a little bit, whether I've got Celsius in my system or not, I get a little bit amped up when I start talking about th- this dynamic. And uh, my partner in crime, the Reverend Dave Baker, has heard this multiple times, but, but it's something I passionately believe in and think we should be all made aware of what the practical economic reality is. I don't know if I've said this over the uh, podcast airwaves. I know we talked about it extensively on the radio. Um, The government is growing faster than the private sector by about 1%. That's 25%. I think the, the, the growth of government is somewhere, I give myself a little wiggle room here, somewhere in the neighborhood of 4%. The private sector is growing somewhere in the neighborhood of 3%. 
That's only 1%, but it's 25%. Um, kind, of, kind of on a sliding scale here. So, so that concerns me. I mean, it really and truly does. We, we talked about education funding, infrastructure funding, um, debt relief. We're having a big debate in Washington now about the debt ceiling, raising the debt ceiling contingent upon what? The Republicans thought they had a deal that, um, you know, they herded cats in the House. They came up with the votes to pass this, um, you know, this, uh, this, this raising of the debt ceiling contingent upon some spending changes and habits in Washington. That's the macro. But the macro is this. If government is growing 25% faster than the private sector, how is that be? I mean, how can that be? Well, I mean, they're confiscating more money out of the private sector. And in full disclosure, I am a Jeffersonian-leaning libertarian. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that I'm one of these people that want to drown government in a bathtub, but I want to control government. I want government to be held responsible. I want government to answer to some of the metrics and measures of the private sector. I accept the government's not a business. I accept it's not in the widget making business. I accept there are um, different forces that control the performance of government in relation uh, to the performance of the private sector. But but let's take education funding as an example. We've been told over the last couple of generations that the problem with education, we don't have enough money. We're not paying teachers enough money. Uh, You know, we got to have nicer buildings and properties and, and campuses. And a lot of America bought into that. I mean, they, they believe the, the, the problem with education in America, when I say problem, I'm talking about proficiency scores. I mean, we're lagging the, the rest of the developed world when it comes to reading and math and science and proficiency um, scores. In, in other words, our students are not learning like students in Asia. They're not learning like students in Eastern Europe. I mean, uh, excuse me, Western Europe. Uh, some of the developed nations around the world are outperforming America when it comes to educating our young people. Um, education is, without question, one of the keys to a, a more prosperous nation, um, a better educated nation, normally leads to better economic outcomes. I don't deny any of that. But but we distorted, we so distorted the marketplace of education that performance is not based on the things that are really struggling in education, but rather how much money are we spending per pupil? How much money are teachers making? How much money are administrators making? How old is that campus? When can we build new classrooms? How can we get kids out of cubicles into permanent um, classrooms? All of that's fair game. All of that is very um, fair debate. Now, now, politicians have to be careful when you start talking about educators, that they're very passionate, they're very animated, that they're very involved in politics, they're very committed, and it will stand to reason. If you're a teacher, you're politically astute because your livelihood depends on what, what a you know what a local body does in ad valorem taxes, what a general assembly in the said state. I mean, in our case, it's South Carolina, but it could be in Wyoming, Nevada, uh, New Jersey, Florida, wherever, whatever state you're in. They have certain ways of funding education. But but one of the uh, one of the uh, one of the places that we've been uh, hesitant to push back on is teacher pay. The, the teachers have convinced the public that they're not making enough money. Now, now, once again, I'm not a teacher. I've never been a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. God bless teachers. I respect teachers. Some teachers I revere. I'm thinking about the 20 people that have had the most impact in my life outside of my parents. The majority would have been coaches and teachers. I mean, I was a better player than I was student. Uh, you know, I got the, um, what was the proverbial wagon ahead of the horse? 
Yeah, that, that, you know, I thought you went to school to play sports and academics was kind of a um, an extracurricular. <laughs> not not so much the case. That explains a lot. Well, I mean, it, it does, but, but I'm being candid. I'm being very honest. I mean, I, you know, I, why do you go to school? You go to school to play football, baseball, and basketball. Anybody knows that. The extracurriculars are economics and, and civics and history and, and mathematics. Uh, that trigonometry was a SOB, but that's a, a story for another day. But, but let's, so we've been very hesitant in society to question any of the, um, the teacher narrative. And once again, I got three words written down. Uh, question, disrespect, and insult. I mean, are we allowed or not to question teachers' pay? Can we question teachers' pay without being disrespectful? I mean, I don't tend to be disrespectful. Uh, it has never been my intent to insult, but, but I do believe something as important as education, what we should question, we should debate, we should aggressively um, get after one another. I mean, you, you believe that teachers need to make more. Administrators need to make more. We need to spend more money on education, build nicer campuses, get kids out of, out of um, temporary offices because of security reasons. I'm with you. I mean, I'm totally with you. At what cost? I mean, do we take, in other words, if it takes every dollar the private sector generates to invest in education to get the, the primo outcome, is that what we're willing to do? I mean, are we willing to take every dollar that the, the private sector generates in profitability and pass over a transfer into the coffers of government and let government decide, hey, we're doing this because we're woefully lacking in progressive education. We're, we're, not, we're not as proficient as education as some of these other countries. So let's take teacher's pay. Let's delve into that for just a second. The National Education Association, I mean, this is their report, not mine. And once again, it is my desire to question. It is not my desire to disrespect. It has never been my desire to insult. But I don't have any problem in questioning the status quo. Now, the status quo says we need to pay teachers more money. The status quo say, uh, says that teachers are the most educated, underpaid group in America. That's kind of the status quo narrative. And the majority of people are watching Seinfeld, that they're not digging into the minutiae of what the NEA says or the Bureau of Labor Statistics says. And in typical America fashion, you know, well, somebody told me teachers don't make enough money. So I guess we need to pay teachers more money. Well, I mean, that includes a tax increase. Well, I don't know. I mean, hell, you know, um, the taxes on my home are already pretty expensive. But if we're failing the children, then, then certainly I should contribute another 40 or 50 or 60 bucks annually in the name of better educating young people, right? Turn that TV back to Seinfeld. I mean, let's get back to Seinfeld. Forget all that Fox News and CNN and Wall Street Journal, New York Times and talk radio. Forget all that, that, that crazy talk. Turn that TV back to, to Seinfeld. I want to watch Seinfeld. Somebody <laughs> told me one day that teachers didn't make enough money and they needed to raise my taxes, and I'm not going to let the kids down. I'm going to, you know, I, I'm a product of public education. I want to be supportive of public education. Well, dumbasses, wake up. I mean, turn the TV from Seinfeld just a second, and let's get down to brass tacks. Okay, here's what the NEA says, and it is not my intent to disrespect nor insult, but, but I'm not bothered at all in questioning things that the majority of talking heads and pundits refuse to question. Here are my questions. Facts are stubborn things, right? I've got an opinion. You've got an opinion. She's got an opinion. He's got an opinion of her. She has an opinion of him. Uh, we're we're kind of all in this thing together. 
I think generally the majority of us want kids from every socioeconomic standing and background to gain a quality education. I mean, I don't know anybody that says, hey, let's do what we can to stop those young kids from getting a good education. I don't know anybody in my world that says that. The majority of people in my world say, hey, I know that comes with an expense. But, but what's enough? What's not enough? What's too much? I'm not an educator. I don't run a public school. I don't know what the answer to that is. But I do know this emphatically, that when you take a dollar out of the private sector, to fund education, to fund infrastructure, to fund commerce, to fund uh, any government agency, you're making it less likely that the private sector prospers and thrives. That's just, I mean, that, that's, uh, you don't have to go to Harvard and Yale to figure that out. The velocity of money is more efficient in the private sector than it is in the public. Do I, need, do I believe we need to bomb, uh, excuse me, drown government in the bathtub? At times I do, but the majority of times I don't. I accept that government has a role to build roads and bridges. I accept that government has a responsibility to educate young people and provide first responders and, and you know, uh, uh, armed forces. I mean, I, I totally accept that. As libertarian Jeffersonian as I can be, and I can drift off into anarchy. I mean, I, I can slide past libertarian on certain days and end up, you know, at the, at the doorsteps of anarchy. But I accept that we have to take a certain portion of the prosperity of the private sector transfer to government to do some of these things that make a better society that that's that's in general that's what i believe but when somebody says well teachers don't make enough money and the reason education is failing is we don't have enough good quality teachers because a salary is not attractive enough to get high quality talent i don't buy that i mean i've never bought that so let's question that for a second let's go back to this data the national education associated association reported this spring, and I want to read this verbatim, that in 2021-22, the average teacher's salary was 66745 The Bureau of Labor Statistics has it a little bit higher at 67680 as of May 2021. Um, you know, but, but let's use the National Education Association's number. I mean, that's their lobbying group. That, that's one of the organizations that represent uh, the best interests of teachers. Um, this is kind of an interesting, this is a nugget of information that I've added. Um, for college graduates in all fields, the, the average salary is $70,000, actually $70,404. So, so if you use that metric, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, teachers' average salary, $67,680, $70,000 median income or average income for all college graduates in all fields. You could argue that teachers are underpaid by about $2,000 annually. I mean, if a teacher is a college-educated professional, they're making an average of $67,680, and the other college-educated professionals are making about $70,400, you, you, you could argue that teachers are making about $3,000 less annually than they should. Fair enough? I mean, that, that's a legitimate question to ask. That's a legitimate um, argument or point of argument to, to base the, the debate on. But, but there's more to the story. And, and once again, you know, if I were an educator, I wouldn't delve into this other side of the story. If I were part of a school board, I wouldn't delve into this other side of the story. But, but we got to question this, guys. I mean, we owe it to ourselves and the nation and the private sector in general to question, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it.
the majority of teachers, let, let me rephrase that, the overwhelming majority of teachers sign 190-day contracts. I mean, that's what they operate on. It's a year-to-year contract. It's 190-day in term. They have about 10 to 15 days of paid leave. The average teacher in America today yields about 175 work days. I mean, that's what we expect out of a teacher today. Are there teachers that do more? Of course there are. Are there teachers that do less? I would imagine there is. Teachers are not robots. They're not Vulcans. They're emotional human beings just as we are. But, but it, it's, it's undeniable that the overwhelming majority of teachers enter into 190-day contracts that give them somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 days of paid leave per year. So they're working about 175 days per year. The average private sector employee works about 235 days a year. That's a difference of 60 days. Oh, that, that's 60 days difference. Let, let's do a five-day work week. That would be 12 weeks. So if you believe the data, once again, your opinion is your opinion. You're entitled to that. My opinion is my opinion. I'm entitled to that. But the national, excuse me, the national teachers, excuse, I want to get this right, the National Education Association, the other is the National Teacher Federation. That's the other lobbying arm uh, representing teachers. And I'm not offended by any of that. I mean, if I were a teacher, I'd want all I could get. If I were a lobbying organizer, I'd want all I could get. If I were a consultant, if I were somebody doing the work of education, the bidding for education, I'd want all I could get. But remember the macro. Remember where we go. When you raise taxes to fund education, you're taking money where? From the, from the private sector. You're taking that money and transferring it into the coffers of a government agency, whether it's education or not. Do you believe when, when the private sector has less money that it's more likely to generate the income or the revenue necessary to fund government programs? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's pretty easy. You don't have to go to Harvard, Yale, or Hannah Pamplico to understand advanced economic theories. And, and that is, that, that's not an advanced economic theory. GDP is a finite number. I mean, it's a big-ass number. And in America, it's somewhere around $25 trillion. It doesn't matter what that number is. It's finite. And when you take that money out of the private sector to fund a government program, it's less likely that the private sector grows. And go back to the, the, the beginning of the macro. In 16 consecutive quarters, government has outgrown the private sector by an average of 25%. Back to teachers' pay. Without being disrespectful, certainly without insulting when you, when you break down the salary of roughly $57,000, I mean, that's round off. It's actually 50, uh, and I'm talking about South Carolina here. I mean, we're, we're coming to our state here. Um, the national average is 67,680. The state's average is about $57,000. So take that number. Hold on to that number, 57 grand. That's the average salary for a teacher in South Carolina. The overwhelming majority of teachers in South Carolina has signed a 190-day contract that commits them to work 175 days a year. Do they work more than that? I would imagine. Do they work at night grading papers? Do they take a call from a grandparent about a kid that's having trouble? I would imagine they do. But that's no different than the private sector. I mean, do you believe that business owners and employees shut it down in five and go home and drink a beer and sit on the couch and watch the Braves or Gamecocks or Tigers play? Of course not. I mean, they're, they're you know, I, I have a couple of jobs. Uh, I host a radio show from 6 until 10 in the morning. Uh, my wife will tell you that at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, I'm normally in front of the computer preparing for 
uh, the radio show, host a podcast. I mean, do you think I just walk in? It may sound like it and seem like it, but I don't walk in the damn door and just make it up as I go. I mean, there's some prep involved, um, and, and, the, and the prep takes time. So, so I get that teachers probably work, you know, longer than we expect them to. But, but that's not teacher exclusive. A lot of people do that. But, but I want to go back to the numbers. Once again, facts are stubborn things. So if the overwhelming majority of teachers are working 175 days, and I'm talking about South Carolina here, if the average teacher in South Carolina is working 175 days a year and they're making sixty-seven, excuse me, $57,000, they're making about $326 a day. If the average worker making that same $57,000 worked 235 days, which that's a Bureau of Labor statistic number, they're making about $243 a day. It's really easier to argue, and this is where I get in trouble, and this is where it could be insulting. I don't intend to, and, and I certainly don't. I guess this would be disrespectful, but so be it. Um, I've had a Celsius, and I get a little attitude and edge when I've had a Celsius. The easier, you know, we've historically debated, are teachers making enough money? If you're honest with yourself and you're not afraid to question, once again, you can question without being disrespectful. You can question without insulting. But the better question is, are teachers making too much money? I mean, that really and truly, I mean, when you compare what, what the rest of America makes based on a per week and per day basis, um, the teachers are making two, $3,000 less than a, an equally qualified college graduated uh, professional, but they're working about 60 days less. They're working about 12 weeks less. Let me do this right. Five day, five day work week, 12 weeks of six. Okay, I, I did get on that number. I'm mean, I, kind of pretty quick on the trigger there to say 60 as quick as I did. Now, now, you know, w- what is the major problem? And this is where the business mind kind of comes in gear. I don't know what a teacher should make. I don't have any idea what a teacher should make. Should they make more or less than $67,000 a year? Should they make more or less than, than $57,000 a year? I don't have any idea. I mean, I, I honestly don't know what a teacher should make or not make. But, but when you compare what teachers make and the number of days they commit to work and what a construction worker or a police officer or a, uh, a bus driver or a roofer or a plumber or an electrician or a, you know, someone who works at public works in one of the local um, governments around our country, it's hard to argue that teachers are underpaid. They do a very important job. Is it more important than a plumber? They do a very important job. Is it more important than a truck driver? The Seinfeld watcher has been convinced that teachers' work is more honorable. They're investing in young people. They are. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not here to say teachers don't make enough money. I'm here to say that, that questioning what teachers make is a very legitimate concern when the private sector funds the amount of money education gets and what they do with that money. Now, in closing, I, I want to share a stat with you, and, and I'll let you form your opinions. I'm not here, no pun intended, to, to, to educate you. I'm here to inform you on, on what the data says and my interpretation of the data and what my opinions are of that interpretation of said data. I went back and looked. Between 2000 and 2019, that would be a 20-year span, student enrollment in public education grew by 5%. 
the teaching force grew by 9%. In 2000, we had about 2.94 million teachers. In 2019, we had about 3.2 million teachers. So the number of teachers grew at about twice the rate as student enrollment in public education. Principals and assistant principals grew by 37%, from 142,000 to 194,000. District administrative staff grew by 88%, from 80, excuse me, from 97,000 to 182,000. So once again, student enrollment is up 5% since 2000 until 2019. The teaching force grew by 9%. Principals and assistant principals grew by 37%. District administrative staff grew by 88% from 97,000 to 182,000. So, so here's the takeaway. You ready? If teachers need more money, it's not because of the taxpayer. Somebody else is getting your money. The taxpayer is ponying up plenty to adequately educate, to do better than adequately educate young people in America, no matter their socioeconomic standing, no, no matter that their family situation. I get that teachers deal with a lot of crap. I mean, if you want to dig down and find the big problem in, in America with education today, it's the single parent. It's the breakdown of the nuclear family. I mean, that, that, that's the dirty secret in all of this. It's not teacher's fault. It's not the taxpayer's fault. It's not the administration's fault. It's the breakdown of the family. Kids perform better. They're ready to go learn on average when they come from a home with a mother and a father. We've got so many kids in America today walking through the doors of public education facilities that don't have that male influence. Mom's raising that kid. Grandmother's raising that kid. Sleeping on a couch one night and a bed one night and a hall one night with a friend one night. That's not a teacher's fault. That's not the school district's fault. That's not a taxpayer's fault. That is a matter of the heart. Until America gets his heart straight and invests in the nuclear family and convinces, you know, um, whomever it is responsible for creating tax policy or, 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 you know, whatever law enforcement needs to do in a relation. I mean, we're incentivizing young females to have kids without getting married. I mean, that, that's kind of, most people understand that. You don't like talk about it. Uh, what do you mean we're incentivizing? I mean, check your tax code. Check some of the entitlement programs in America today. Without question, the government is incentivizing young females to have kids without a father at home. That, 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 is, that, that, that is decimating public education. But, but in, when you look at teacher pay, and I want to conclude, by I have no idea what a teacher in South Carolina should make. I have no idea what a teacher in Wyoming should make. I have no idea what a teacher in Minnesota should make or Missouri or Florida or Iowa. But, but I don't believe that if teachers are underpaid, it's the taxpayer's fault. The taxpayer is paying more than their fair share of government operations. Do, do we need that many principals and assistant principals? Do we need that many district administration staff? I mean, it outgrew student enrollment uh, at warp speed. I mean, student enrollment is up 5%. District administration staff is up 88%. Were we that far behind? Are we asking more of the taxpayer than the taxpayer should be responsible for? I admire teachers. I respect teachers. I have no intent to insult teachers. But I advocate for the taxpayer. I advocate for the private sector because I believe that's the goose that laid the golden egg. And once we so deeply offend the private sector's ability to generate the revenue necessary 
to do these real cool things in government. I mean, if we get to a tipping point, and I think we're headed there. I mean, I really believe when you look at the data, it's easy to discern that government growing faster than the private sector should be an alarm. I mean, it should be a red light. But but in America today, turn it back to Seinfeld. I want to see what Kramer and George and Jerry and, and Elaine are doing. I, I don't want to, I mean, that gives me a headache. This guy on the on the radio, on the podcast, talking about billions and millions and trillions and teachers pay and, and principals and, and administrative staff. Turn that television back to Seinfeld. Here's the story. Here's the takeaway. You ready? Americans don't want no trouble. And by not wanting any trouble and blocking some of these very controversial issues out that deserve serious consideration, very few people will, will, will take on the teachers. I'm not taking on the teachers. Please understand, I have said emphatically, I don't know what teachers need to make. But when you reach your hand out and ask the taxpayer for more money, I don't believe that that's the answer. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields, Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies. Pepsi of Florence also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams, Bryce, and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co-op. If you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center, uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at MPDC co-op or pdec.com.